This is a one and all media podcast. Listen, this dry bones passage is clearly about people who knew God, worshiped God, treasured the law of God, were intimate with God in times past, and now they're just dry bones. Which means if scholars are right, I've got to apply this to people who received the word of God at one point in their life. They knew God, worshiped God, treasured the law of God, were intimate with God, but now spiritually they're dry bones. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Welcome back to Today with Jeff Finds. My name's Aaron, and Pastor Jeff is in a new series on re recommitment, reawakening, revival. And in this episode, we're finishing his message about restoration and renewal. This is a good time to mention that if you need some restoration in your life, make sure to check out the whole series on your favorite podcast app. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines. We're finishing Pastor Jeff's message from Ezekiel chapter 37, looking at the Valley of the Dry Bones. Here's Pastor Jeff as he brings us the rest of this message. Now, it is not my intention to judge any individual. That is not my job. I don't know where anybody truly is with God. Only God knows that. My job as a preacher is to tell you the truth. And here's what I glean from the scripture. If you believe that Jesus is a symbol or a metaphor and nothing more, you're not born again. He has not breathed his spirit into you and you have not heard, believed, and understood and accepted the gospel. If you do not believe that Jesus physically existed and died for your sins on the cross in real time and space, if you do not believe that God has deemed that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only substitutionary sacrifice for sins, that there's no way to the Father that through the Son, you're not born again. And God has not breathed his spirit into you. You may be religious, but you're not Christian. If you do not believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for those who've come to him by faith, and if you've never acted upon all this by placing yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ with the full intent to follow him in any area of your life, then I can tell you, no, I didn't say you're perfect. I said your intent. I said intent. I said your will. If it's not there, I can tell you, you have not believed the truth, heard the truth, or been convinced by the truth. Therefore, you've not been born again. Now, I know in a church this size, on every campus, there are seekers. You're not here yet, and I respect your journey. This message is for those who think they've already come to Christ. I'm just wondering if you have. That's not my job. That's your job. God's job is between you. You ever notice today when prophets speak They always give you this incredibly good news. But when prophets spoke in the Bible, it was a warning, wasn't it? Nine times out of 10, it was a warning. But guess what? I said, you have not yet believed the truth, heard the truth, or been convinced by it. But it's never too late as long as you're above ground. And God is so patient and merciful and kind in fact, over the last five minutes, do you know what just happened? You just got another extension of the mercy and grace of God. You heard the gospel. 
The new birth says, I believe, I understand, and receive the good news of the gospel. I've been raised to walk in a new way of life. I now understand the connection between confession, repentance, baptism, and the new life. I've been awakened. My eyes are open. I've been born again. I'm spiritually woke. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, so shall I be. We are born again, and we're plunged into that hole, which means... If your bones are alive spiritually, now you, you're going to rise from the dead. He's going to call you together into completion at the resurrection. But the new birth means he's called you together now. Now. So somewhere along life's journey, when God breathed into you, it dawned on you, wow, I'm invincible. I'm going to live forevermore. My, my flesh may waste away, but in my spirit, I'm being renewed. And when you really take that, when it makes its way deep down inside, it enables you to thrive in this death camp while you're waiting for the armies of heaven to come and liberate us so that we can return home from this exile. You live with your head up high. You hear the truth. You believe the gospel. You're born again. His spirit is breathed into you. And finally, you know that God is Lord over all. Look at how... God ends this discourse on dry bones, all right? I'm in verse 12 now. This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll put my spirit on you. You will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. Now he says, I'll put my spirit in you and I will settle you in your own land. And he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. Wait, didn't they already know he was the Lord? What's going on here? I was in the cafe before the service and Ben Lounsbury came over. I love Ben, one of my favorite people. And he said, hey, how's your, how are your sinuses? And I'm sorry, if I've been blowing nose bubbles up here, I mean, I'm doing the best I can here, okay? <clears throat> I'm so tempted to run backstage and just, you know. So <clears throat> if that's too much information, I'm sorry. I was in the cafe and uh, he says, how you doing? I said, man, I can't wait till Thursday. I haven't been able to breathe for over a year. He, and he looked at me and he said, man, I, I wish I could know what it's like not to breathe for a whole year and then breathe again. That must be exhilarating. <laughs> I just kind of looked at him. But isn't it true that when you lose something, when you get it again, it makes it that much more enjoyable? Isn't it true that many of you have been resurrected from things you never thought you could recover from? Some of you were in addictions that totally destroyed you and you got down on your knees and prayed and man, here you are. You can't believe you're still alive. When my mom died, I can tell you, and I've said this numerous times, I never thought it was possible to be alive and experience that much pain at the same time. And yet here I am. Here you are. God is in the business, but you know something? Every scar that you endure upon your body only makes your resurrection experience that much greater. Isn't it true? You know, the only way to experience a resurrection is to first experience a death. The resurrection doesn't merely give you hope for the future, but it gives you hope on how to handle your scars right now because every bad thing that happens only makes your eventual glory that much greater. First Thessalonians, Paul says, we grieve but not like those who have no hope, right? Now, okay, what is the point of all this? 
Folks, listen, this is serious, fundamental stuff we're talking about here. If you want revival, it begins with asking yourself, listen, please hear me. Religion can blind you. It can make you think that you're good with God. Because you do this or you do that. But the truth is, you've never truly heard, understood, and believed the gospel that there is an atonement where you are forgiven of your sins and the Spirit of God breathes new life into you. And so you have to ask, have I heard? Did I just kind of drift into the church and I start praying a little bit and start going when I felt like it. And then somewhere along the line, I thought, well, I'm a good person. I go to church and I haven't killed anybody. That's religion. Or did you hear and understand and suddenly, I'm a sinner. I got no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And you got down on your knees and you asked God for forgiveness and you were serious. And he breathed his life into you and you were born again. And your heart was transformed. And you had this new desire to live a righteous life, a, a desire you never had before. And part of that is you became certain that the Lord, he is God, that he's brought you out of decay into a new life and a new kingdom that can never be shaken or destroyed. And that's why you can't be shaken or destroyed. And has the Spirit of God placed that truth so deeply into you that you no longer fear death? No, I didn't say, no, but look, I'm not saying we all walk around saying, man, I wish we'd die. I wish I could die. I just want to die. No, I'm just saying you made your peace with it somewhere because you know it's not the end. Your eyes have been opened to the greatest spiritual reality. Come on now, think about this. Has it? This is for everybody. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care if you work for the church. It doesn't matter. What matters is was there a time when your eyes were so open that you became spiritually woke and it dawned on you, you're just passing through on your way back home? And because that's so deeply ingrained in you, everything has changed. What you watch, what you read, where you go, what you do. If not, hey, let me tell you, first of all, almost done. Revival requires longer sermons. Almost done. If you have been born again, if you've heard and understood and believed, can I tell you a few things according to the Bible that you're, here's, here's what your life looks like, okay? If I'm praying and begging that you pay attention to this. This is it. Joyous, central, sorrow, peripheral. You do have moments of sadness, but joy is central because you know you have the big questions answered and you know where you're going. You do have times of mourning, but ultimately inside you've got this incredible resolve. You know you're on your way. You have a passion to know the scripture. Inside you, in Acts chapter two, when the church was born, the first revival, and God breathed his spirit, we're told they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In you is a desire to know the Scripture. 
You love coming to corporate worship and prayer and are usually early because you love being here. You come when it's raining. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. You love your community group and insist upon doing life with other Christ followers. All the believers were together, had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. You love discovering your spiritual gift and using it for the kingdom of God. You mourn over your sins. They make you sad. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You love communion time, and you take it quite seriously because you're so grateful and aware of his grace. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes. You are most probably generous because you get it. This life is not about you, but about others. You're probably a tither. I said probably because you have a heart to invest in something that truly matters and will last for eternity. 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And indeed, if it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, let me tell you what I know about your heart. You have a heart for lost people. You want to see people far from God come near. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, it's one of your favorite parables. In other words, you've been born again. You are spiritually woke. You see people, relationships, money, everything differently. You've been born again. You've been cleansed of your sins. You've been baptized to walk in a new way of life. And God has breathed his spirit in you. Unfortunately, this is the end of the end. Unfortunately, according to the Bible, this represents a small percentage of Christ followers. Jesus said in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What, do you think he's joking? Do you think he ran out of material just to add this into the scripture? Luke 9, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You came to Christ, then you realize it's going to cost you something, you're gone. Or you wear the name, but you wear in name only. Do you remember the parable of the seed and the sower? Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. We've talked about that. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Fortunately, Jesus also said that every person has the power of decision. In one moment, at one moment in time, everything can change. Now, this is the end of the end of the end. Listen, this dry bones passage is clearly about people who knew God, worshiped God, treasured the law of God, were intimate with God in times past, and now they're just dry bones. 
Which means if scholars are right, I've got to apply this to people who received the word of God at one point in their life. They knew God, worshiped God, treasured the law of God, were intimate with God, but now spiritually they're dry bones. And what most of us don't understand is that spiritual bones or dry bones happen over a period of time. And it happens when we fail to understand the things that bring life into the bones and we cease doing them. We've never made the connection between dry bones and our lack of spiritual discipline. Again, what was the result in Acts 2? They met together, they prayed together, they studied the scriptures, they committed to community, they devoted themselves, and what happened? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What happened then? God showed up, people got saved. If this is you, where you were once born, you had your eyes open, but you began to quench the fire of the Spirit, and you've grieved the Spirit for so long, you can't hear his voice. And you chose to walk in the flesh rather than the spirit. If that's you, here's what your life probably looks like. Sorrow is central, joy is peripheral. You have moments of joy, but you're overwhelmed with sorrow. You're a wreck. There's very little passion in your life to get in and study and discover the word of God. Either because the passion is choked out by the world's demands on you or pleasurable satisfaction. You'd rather be on your phone. Corporate worship is optional depending on how you feel on any given weekend. If you feel like it, you'll come. If you don't, I'll do something else. There's no real desire or passion for worship, which is why you try to time it where you miss most of it. It's a bit much for you. You're not a feeling type person. You live an isolated life away from a spiritually healthy community because it's too inconvenient. You don't really need that type of thing. And sin is, in, is unfortunate, but you don't mourn over it. You say, everybody sins. After all, we're saved by grace through faith, and there's no real shame in your life over what you watch and over what you read, and there's no real guilt over your failures. You're what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called a grace abuser. You think saved by grace through faith is synonymous with no discipline in your life. You arrive very late to church when you do attend because you really don't want to be there. You're hoping to just get it over with. You are indeed a consumer and your favorite church is Bedside Baptist. You give and serve to appease your conscience and to make up for your failures. And the presence of any real devotional life is not there. Prayer is a ritual without much flesh to it. In short, you're, you're religiously alive, but spiritually dead, and you need revival. Okay. Now. First, here's what we do together. The first thing we do, pray that your eyes may be open to understand the heart of the gospel. That's your first prayer. If I just described to you, pray that God would open your eyes. What do we say around here? RSVP, repent. 180 degree turn from where you're living now. S, say you're sorry for depending on your own righteousness and going in the way of the world and letting the world choke out the fire of the spirit of God in your life. Verbalize your trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins and plunge your past in the waters of baptism. Die your old way, be resurrected to the new. Second, wake up to perhaps the most fundamental spiritual reality of all time. And here's what it is. 
So I got to be quick. You okay? Yeah, where are you going to go? It's raining. Listen, (laughs) you'll still get out on time. Just stay with me for a moment. This is important. So my family and I go to Massanutten, Virginia on a vacation. We got the entire family there, the brothers-in-law, sister-in-law, the uh, cousins, the whatever. We got them all there. My mother and father-in-law are there, and we're going to go tubing. We've heard that there's a great river. We're all going to go tubing. It's going to be fun, but there had been drought. So we get there, and the water's about a foot deep, but they didn't want to give us our money back. So now we're going to go tubing in a foot of water. And there's supposed to be this wonderful waterfall at the end. So two hours of nothing followed by what? 30 seconds of exhilaration. If you're a little heavy and you get in one of these tubes, it's going to be tough. (laughs) But even if you're light and you get in one of the tubes, because the water level was so low and there was not a lot of flow, if you didn't paddle with your arms, you would drift over to the side where you would find dead cows. I mean animal feces. I mean, it's horrible. So you had to paddle for dear life. And we did. We paddled like crazy. And we got to enjoy this three feet of white water at the very end. This is the spiritual reality. Guess what? You won't survive unless you're paddling hard. You cannot drift into revival. You cannot drift into a life that is filled with passion for Jesus and those who are far from God. You have to be devoted to Scripture. I saw a young lady in the cafe yesterday. I walked in there, I think two days ago. I'm getting some lunch. I walked over. I was mesmerized. She was reading her Bible, and her Bible was tattered. It was all marked up. My goodness, it looked like my grandmother's Bible. I walked over, and I said, is this your Bible? She said, yeah. I said, now that's a Bible. You're devoted to prayer. You're devoted to Scripture. You're devoted to community. You're devoted to worship. And God does many signs and wonders. That's revival, or at least the beginning. But there's a third thing. Some of you need to rededicate your life. I haven't used that word in a long time. You also need to RSVP. And your RSVP goes like this. Repent of your cavalier attitude about your faith and about holiness and about sanctification and about Bible reading, and church, and prayer, and worship. Say you're sorry for allowing the cares of the world to choke out the fire of the Spirit. Verbalize your recommitment to Jesus, and pray that God would breathe the full measure of His Spirit into you. That's it. That's all I have to say about that, says Forrest Gump. If you need to do any of these things, for heaven's sake, do it now. Before this weekend is over, if the Spirit of God opened your eyes, in heaven's name, do something. Because revival won't come until we get the fundamentals right, until we repent and confess our sins, until we say, God, we're all in. We're sorry for how we've allowed the world to choke out our faith and the power of the Spirit, but we reconcile today to go forward in faith and do miraculous things and signs and wonders among us. Amen? Father, thank you for thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the metaphor of dry bones. And I know that all of us have a little bit of rebel in us. There's sin in all of us, and we are thankful for your grace indeed. But Father, we know your grace was never meant to substitute for any effort at all. 
as we latch ourselves on to prayer and the word, scripture, worship each other, worship you, but hang out with each other in community. I pray that today would be the first day or maybe the second weekend of our journey toward revival. And by the time this series is over, we're ready to go. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.